Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Raw Report on KBLA Talk 1580, your daily source of entertainment and celebrity news. I'm Keith Underwood, and I'm sitting in for the lovely Robin Ayers. And you can catch me right here on KBLA every weekend on Saturdays at 9 p.m. and Sundays at 8 p.m. Pacific time with my entertainment radio talk show, Black in the Grim Room, where we spotlight inspiring stories from black entertainers, creatives, and showbiz professionals. But right now, right now, Andy. Yes, sir. Right now, let's get back to the Raw Report, where we're going to get raw. So, everybody, if you are interested in calling in and talking to me about these topics that we're going to bring up tonight, please call in at 800-920-1580. Again, that's 800-920-1580. Or you can join us in the YouTube chat at KBLA 1580. I would love to hear from each and every one of you. Now, look, now I know, yeah. You guys are getting a little tired of hearing about this Lenny Kravitz story. But guess what? You ain't talked to me about it. And since then, Mr. Kravitz has actually released a statement where he says that a lot of folks on social media, that they were giving him a hard time for saying things about black media in general, like KBLA Talk 1580. But he wanted to clear it up and say, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what I was saying. I was talking specifically about award shows. And he goes into his ex. A revolutionary finding has ophthalmologists scratching their heads. Yeah. That part. Yeah. No. This seven second ritual took us all by surprise and has now helped over 110,000 people throw away their glasses. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave mine on because I can't see without them. The results are nothing short of wonder. The ritual is going viral and has already been featured on NBC, Fox, and ABC. Sadly, the greedy pharmaceutical giants are trying to get it taken down. Yeah. Tap below now to see this special free presentation. Free presentation, yeah. seven-second bedtime vision-restoring ritual yeah. before it gets taken down. <laughs> you a wild boy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, like I was saying, I, I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but um, we're going to get on right back into it. So, um, so we're going to talk a little bit and follow up about Lenny Kravitz and, um, you know, and what he had to say about his comments. And we're going to be joined today by Whitney J. Yates. And I know she's a favorite here and I'm looking forward to meeting her and talking to her. And then also we're going to talk about Sally Richardson. Now, y'all know who Sally Richardson is. She's that gorgeous sister from back in the day. Y'all know who she is. And she, uh, She's an actress that you know from movies like Posse and Low Down Dirty Shame, where she dropped that line, you know, you could have had something if you weren't stupid. She was also in just so many other projects, but now she's making her name and her mark as a director and a producer. And, you know, and I, every time we get an opportunity to celebrate one of our own, I definitely want to do that. And I want to chop it up with Whitney about how she feels about sisters who are doing their thing 
in the game. Whitley, yes, and that are doing their thing in the game right now. And, you know, I'm excited to chop with her about, about that. Hey, Andy, you, uh, what, you down for celebrating the sisters tonight? 100%. 100%. What yes, are your sir. thoughts, man? What do you think about, you know, our sisters now kind of taking a lead um, in producing and directing? I mean, it's about time. It's about damn time. You know? Yeah. Um, I know they've been striving for equality for a long, long, long time. And, uh, I mean, quite frankly, like, I mean, I, I see it happening. I see it happening. And for me as a man, I have no issue with it. That's good, man. It's good to have that confidence in who you are. Because if you understand yourself, it'll help you to better understand others. Yes, sir. Y'all heard it from me. Drop some money in the collection plate. <laughs> We're going to also talk talk about the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby, who is the award winning rap artist known for his top charting debut album, Baby on Baby. And, you know, the baby a little controversial out there. We're not going to get into that tonight, but the baby has had a revelation. He is going to kick alcohol and he's going to stop drinking. And one of the catalysts for this decision was the fact that he threw up in front of his baby girl. And I'm you know, I'm gonna share some things with you guys too when we when we talk to uh, you know, our special contributor about this. Andy, what what are your thoughts on this, man, and and the baby giving up drinking because of his baby girl? Well, part of me wants to say Snoop Dogg started some something of a trend. Yes, sir. To a degree, even though, you know, that was all <laughs> marketing on his part. But I definitely think that people have uh come to a point where you know they realize that they're getting older and uh, you know uh, they're concerned about their health um i know there was a specific reason that the baby decided to and i'm sure you're going to share that a little yes. bit later on but uh what he experienced i think uh, i hear that often from individuals who decide to change their ways but we're going to talk about it a little bit later yeah that sounds good man and i i like your viewpoint on that man and it's just it's just you know it's time man you know rappers have gotten a bad rap for so long it's just it's just wonderful and great to see you know the positive influence you know that they're trying to make the best of luck to the baby and we're going to talk more about that later and if we have enough time you guys know how we do the screen actors guild today was their last day to vote on whether or not they're going to accept the screen actors guild for those of you who don't know on whether they're going to accept the deal presented to them uh, voting closes uh, this evening, I believe, at midnight. We'll know tomorrow. Hopefully, you know, things will go well. I'll say it that way. And, um, you know, so we can keep some of our favorite television shows, you know, on the air. And, uh, yeah, so, again, my apologies. Like I said, I'm getting to know new people, you know, here um, on The Raw Report. And Whitley J. Yates, she'll be joining me right after we come black on The Raw Report. Hey, I'm Damian Young. I'm chilling with Robin on The Raw Report. Yes, and welcome back to The Raw Report on KBLA Talk 1580. No, I am not Robin Ayers. I am Keith Underwood sitting in for the gorgeous, talented, and brilliant Robin Ayers. Uh, Forrest Harrison over in the chat. Yeah, you know, Robin... Robin looking a little different today because 
It's not Robin. It's Keith. But uh, but but thank you. Shout out to you, Forrest. Also want to shout out Fatima and Pretty Brown Mimi, Houston, Texas. Welcome in the house. All of you, welcome to the Raw Report. And I also want to welcome our very special contributor this evening, Ms. Whitley Yates. Whitley! Hey, Keith. How are you? What's up, boo? You know, I'm excited to get into the nitty-gritty of what's happening in the culture this week. You know what I'm saying, Whitley? You you have a background in P- PR as well, right? I do have a background in PR, specifically oh. entertainment PR. Oh yeah, well same here. That's the same with your, with your boy. So we're going to we're going to get into these topics from a PR perspective. Ooh, I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? Come on now. Put on that cap. Put on that cap. So first up, we're going to talk more about Lenny Kravitz. All right. Mm-hmm. So as everybody has already heard, you know, Lenny Kravitz was like, hey, what's up? Black award shows. Give your boy some love. I've been out here in the game. No, I might not be doing typical R&B. I might not be doing rap, but I'm still a black performer and I'm proud of my black culture. Can I get a little love? Mm-hmm. Can I get a little love? And so that got twisted somehow on social media where some people presumed that Mr. Kravitz was talking about, you know, the love that he hasn't been shown from black media in general. Now, Kravitz not being one to play, he released an official statement on X, also known as former Twitter. Twitter. So I'm going to read a little bit for you. It is important to me to set the record straight on recent media reports based on an interview I did. My black musical heritage means a lot to me, and I owe my success to my supporters who have taken this journey with me over the span of my career. The comment I made was not about black media or the black community. I was specifically referring to black award shows in particular. My comment was meant to express a concern about ensuring that black artists are being recognized for their work in what is now being called non-traditional black music, which it is not. Rock and roll are the music we were instrumental in creating. Tell it, Lenny. And as a part of our history, we must retain our heritage and celebrate that together. BET and countless others have paved the way for this type of recognition. I hope that by sharing my concern, a spotlight will be shown on this issue. Whitley, what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Kravitz's statement? Uh, I think it's a very strong statement, and I think it was written in his voice. Yes. I believe that he meant every single word of it. When we look at the initial comments that sparked outrage, because he was not clear and concise in his original communication, Mm. it left things up to interpretation. Yes. And so he never said award, BET awards or any type of award shows. He made it seem as though black media, which is encompassing of radio, it's encompassing of television and all of these other different elements. We're not supporting him. He spoke very broad. Not to mention, he, yeah, he was painting with very broad strokes. And after that, they went on to find out that his publicist uh, did not have any melanin. <laughs> that, <laughs> she was, she was, a, was, she was chal- not just a little challenged, but challenged. 
Yes, yeah. he had the complexion of protection. And so <laughs> I think people started to feel like, well, wait a minute, you're 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 talking negatively about black media and your publicist and PR person isn't even from the culture at all and doesn't give interviews because that's what every, a lot of people were saying. Yes. They don't give interviews to black media. And then other journalists started chiming in when they wanted to cover Lenny for urban media that they were not given any information about his projects or what he's working on to be able to even cover him. Yeah. Let's... So I think. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that his statement is true to his sentiment, but I do believe that there were some areas that were not spoken on when that, that covered some of the outrage he received. Yeah. Let's, let's get into that Whitley, you know, former publicist to former publicist. So why do you think it is that some artists, some entertainers feel the need to have to have a white or non-black publicist? Why do you why do you think that some people feel that need? I think that it is a very common misconception that having um, a white publicist gets you placement in magazines and on shows that don't traditionally have a lot of black people on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that the prox- your proximity to whiteness could also then be a proximity to power, specifically mm. in the entertainment industry. As a former board member of the Black Public Relations Society of Law. Come on Angeles, now, shout out to Sean. <laughs> shout out to Shawty Sean PR. Yes. Um, how you know, Sean? Wait a minute. From Beepers. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Yeah, we go, we go offline yes. on that. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got to go offline. We got to go offline. But, but shout out to Sean. Shout out to uh, Sean. Past president of the Black Public Relations Society of Los Angeles. But it was really important for us to make sure that we were advocating for Black publicists to be hired because our effectiveness is not limited by our skin tone, but it is limited when people believe or feel as though we can't get them top placement because of what we look like or that our arms don't reach that high. And we specifically need artists of color, black artists to be supporting black publicists and those within the media field and realms because we need each other. That's and we right. can show them not only that we can reach whatever heights that we decide and deem to be a value, but we can do it in a way that really represents the true essence mm. of the entertainer or singer. Yeah. And, and and why, Whitley, do you think it's important? And I have my own viewpoints on this, on why it's important for black entertainers. And I don't care how black you think you are, whether it's on one end of the spectrum or the other. But why is it important for black artists to have black publicists? Okay. I think the best way to talk and look at this is to look at some of the current situations that have played out in media Mm. over, let's say, this year. I think when you have a black publicist in place 
and you are going through a tumultuous time or have been accused, specifically if you're a black man, Uh-oh. the framing of the story can be different and place and put you in a different light and position. If Jonathan Majors had a black publicist Come on. when he was going through some of the things that he's going through, people wouldn't be backtracking now and apologizing. Yeah, because they would have been able to cultivate and create a story where we say, hold on, wait a minute. We've seen this before. It happened right. to Emmett Till and it's still happening in 2023. That's Let's right. get the facts about what's happening, because a lot of times, specifically our black men have been seen and used as pawns and said that they've been perpetrators when they have been innocent. And not and only so in entertainment. And not... Not in entertainment. Right. Not just in entertainment. Having a black publicist is able to be, they're able to be sensitive to the cultural facts and the history of how we've been seen in media and how we've been portrayed. And so their stories and how they shape and amplify you in times, not only of conflict and crisis, but of celebration is very unique to who we are as a culture and a people. Yes. And, and let's, get, let's get into it and let's get real, real. Not to mention that, and I talked about this once before, that you always have a black artist that will come to a black publicist and ask for a hookup, especially early on. You know, I, I, I only got a hundred dollars this month. <laughs> you know they'll they'll do they'll do. I stuff. like that voice. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like that. You know they'll do they'll they'll approach us in that manner, and then you know they gain a little notoriety, and then they'll move on over to you know a, a predominantly you know white PR firm, and they'll pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get less results. Say it again, to get less results. To get less results. What, what are your thoughts on that, Willie? Have you ever experienced that? Of course I've experienced it. I think that a lot of times some of the uh, prejudice and white supremacy is not all, only upheld by white people, but sometimes black people mm-hmm. believe that others are better off just because of what they look like. And so when it comes to PR and people hiring and wanting the homie hookup for mm. people that look like you, but then paying tip top dollar uh, to others is very reminiscent of white supremacy. Yeah. And then the other thing too, with that, they expect the world from us who they're paying less and will let yes. the predominantly white firms get away with so much and doing so much more or less for their careers. Because we're giving four course meals and they're getting crumbs. Come on now. Like, I have had clients <laughs> who I was charging way less than my traditional rate to help them in getting top placements in publications like Forbes. And then they will go to a different company, a different agency, a different organization, pay five times my rate. And they, they couldn't even get in a blog in their own hometown. Mm-hmm. That's, that's truth. That's real truth. And then they come back. Then they come back. Yes. Because they, they need some help. O- always. They come back because it, it hasn't been effective. And still don't want to pay you. They still do not want to pay you what they were paying the other 
firm? It's it's really sad. Yeah. Um, to see, and it and we're not trying to say that white publicists don't do a great job. What we're trying to say is sometimes there are some there are cultural things specifically within our culture that I believe we're better suited to help, and we have the ability to traverse all industries to traverse all types of publications and to get top placement and top billing and to help our clients do whatever it is that they're intending and needing to do. And so I just hope that people really see and understand that and value it. Yeah. Willie, let me ask you, and and tell me briefly, what would you have done different with the Lenny Kravitz situation? Ooh. First of all, I would have probably gotten the questions of the interview ahead of time and developed a strategic mm-hmm. plan on how he was going to answer that question. That's right. Because anytime you have to clarify, there was an issue in communication the first time. So I would have probably had him better prepared for that interview because I'm going to be honest, I don't remember the last time we were talking about Lenny Kravitz at all. I like I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the last time that he was relevant in pop culture in the past year. I, I just I can't think of a time. Now, I remember Maxwell was dropping down again his eagle on stage in some boots. But, but, but you, I don't you know they're not the hearing, same person, right, Whitley? <laughs> right, but I'm not I don't remember hearing anything about Lenny. Right. And so the fact that this is the only thing I've heard about you all year is if some drama is a problem. So I would have had him better prepared for that interview. If indeed he made a mistake because mistakes happen and then that mistake started to snowball like it did. And then you had other journalists coming out stating that, well, yeah, I actually reached out and I, they wouldn't give me an interview or said he's not working on anything. I would have addressed it in a way that validated the journalist. Mm-hmm. who felt like because they were a part of urban media, they didn't get access to an urban icon. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good, Whitley. Let's check into the chat. First off, uh, Fahima Sek, she says, hey, at KBLA Talk 1580, Lenny Kravitz was a recipient of an NAACP Image Award in 2010 during the 40, 41st ceremony. And uh, yeah, so Fahima, we're going to check into that when we come black on the Raw Report on KBLA Talk 1580. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy Lil Real. Right now, I'm hanging out with Robin on the Raw Report. That's right. Welcome back to the Raw Report on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the place where you're going to get all of your entertainment and celebrity news. I am not the lovely Robin Ayers. I am Keith Underwood, and I am the host of my own entertainment radio talk show called Black in the Green Room, where you can catch it Saturdays right here on KBLA Talk 1580 at 9 p.m. Pacific Time and Sundays at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Y'all come check us out. Now, Whitley. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, you having a good time? I'm having a great time. Me too. You know, it's good to talk publicist to publicist or former publicist it to is. publicist. It is. Yeah. What What you doing with your I'm, life right now, Whitley? Oh, what am I not doing? I'm a media personality, political commentator. I work within the diversity space. I have my own PR marketing and advertising agency. 
I'm doing all the things. Come on now, rise up. You know, let's 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 talk about you sisters doing it for yourselves. Sally Richardson, right. the lovely, talented, just just all around great individual, Sally Richardson, who you know as an actress from films like Posse, um, Low Down, Dirty Shame, also the TV series. Um, um, I can't remember the name of it, but with all the scientists and all the crazy stuff, but she was also in there. She's been in a lot of stuff. But Sally Richardson is now doing her thing as a director and as a producer, even up to here recently where she's been named as one of the executive producers and directors of a new HBO crime drama series starring Mark Ruffalo. For those of you who do not know, Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk in Avengers. Hulk smash! That is Mark Ruffalo. And, you know, Whitley, like I said, you're you're a sister that is doing it for yourself. Let's talk a little bit about celebrating, because I like to celebrate folks as well in entertainment, about sisters who are doing their thing in entertainment right now as directors and producers. And besides just Sally Richardson, there's Regina King and Tasha Smith and others who have made the transition from only being actresses to also now directing and producing. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that we are really just seeing the rise of Black empowerment, whether that is coming from men or women. Right now, no one no one is asking permission. They're doing all the things that they want to do and that they're capable of doing. doing. We also have Lena Waite, uh, yes. a young Marci, yes. Martin. Yes, come um, on now, baby. And yeah. doing <laughs> All the things. And so it's a beautiful thing to watch and see as people are no longer defined by what others think of them or siloed into just staying in the same space. A lot of times people can feel like, well, they know me as an actor. I need to stay as an actor. But really just being able to express yourself in different ways. I often know Megan Good has been behind the, the camera as well as in front of it and just testing some yeah. things out like that. I think it's one Folks of the are out there trying to ever. say um, Megan's getting distracted right now, but Megan is still doing her thing. Listen, the duality <laughs> in being a black woman in America is that we can hold him down and still stay focused on all the things that we need to do. We, we see it every day. Yes. So we can juggle all of these different things, but I really think it's interesting um, and refreshing to come in media because our Stories are being told mm. and we're having more people that are comfortable expressing, telling and showing not only just our stories, but our creativity is on display. Right. So I'm excited. Kudos to her for her new series yes. and all of the women who are out here producing and creating and directing. Shout out to Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Ava um, DuVernay. <laughs> Ava DuVernay. Yes. Issa Rae. Issa Rae. Um, I'm waiting on you. We can't forget. We, we can't forget nobody. No. So Kim like, Fields. I mean, it's just, it's so Kim many, Fields. many. And I'm just so, so proud of all of my sisters. And I can't say that enough. Why, why do you think, you know, at this point in time, or at least in the last 10, 15 years, why so many black females are coming to more prominence um, in the directing and producing space? You know, I think that there was, there have been some trailblazers. And I think that the rise 
in more black creatives and building an ecosystem of black creatives has helped. Uh, when you see people creating things like Issa Rae and her awkward black girl series. Yes. She wasn't at the level that she was at now, but she was still creating. Yes. She used what she had and she did what she could. And I think that that is really important, to be honest, because when you think about the totality of our creativity and being on display, a lot of times it was taken from us. Yeah. Um, our ideas were taken, our thoughts, uh, the things that we wanted to produce for ourselves, other people's names got slapped on it from music to movies to inventions. I could go on for days. You guys get the picture. Yes. And so now we're in a time where we have ownership over the things that we create. We've seen people blaze these trails. And so we can walk in our own footsteps, understand that, no, I don't have to start off and be some big production company, MGM, but I can start with where I am. And then as more black women got into it, it's like, I'm not even alone out here. Yeah. Whitley, how has that, how has, you know, things like YouTube and Tubi and other spaces like that, how have they helped to level up just not black female creators, but black creators in general? Yes, I think the platform architects have basically shattered barriers by making creating specifically within media realms accessible. It's accessible. Mm -hmm. You have a camera, you can create. I watched some of the best movies that people created on iPhones. I mean, there has been a shattering of stereotypes of what is needed and how you can get discovered. Because now you can create things, someone can see it and say, oh, this is amazing. I need to bring them on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the rise of these different platforms like TikTok as well yes. has has cultivated and created a new class. And right? people the are making class. deals off of their TikTok presence. Deals. Yes. I mean, multi-million dollar deals. Multi-million dollar deals. Say it again, Whitley. Look, multi-million dollar deals. Yeah. And, and Endorsements. That's Name, right. image, and likeness. <laughs> NIL. <laughs> like, sponsorship. Yeah. Brand it's, deal. It, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. And for these black female creatives, why is it important that their voices are heard, including, you know, folks like you and our own, you know, Robin Ayers? Why is it important for their voices to be heard? I think for far too long, we haven't listened to black women. For mm. far too long, we haven't believed black women. For far too long, we haven't supported black women. And so I think now is the time for us to make sure and be even more intentional about supporting black women. And that is in their creativity. That is in their mind wealth. That's in what they're writing. That's in what they're producing, what they're singing, et cetera. I think right now is a time where people are seeing us to be seen. That's right. Um, and, and there's a validation in being seen. And then there's also uh, competency that comes with the creativity that leads to the coin. Yeah. So yeah. if you didn't know before or you had a question, you could call a Lena. You could call a Natasha Rothwell. You could call yes. an Issa and get connected to say, hey, I'm trying to do or I'm interested in. And now you've got a network 
Mm. You've got a network of people that's rooting for you that want to see you win because they understand how valuable it is for you to express yourself in this way. I love and that, so, Whitley. Let's let's check in on the chat real quick. Um, Houston, Texas says long overdue recognition. Um, Forrest Harrison said, I saw a movie on Tubi that was shot with a Polaroid camera. And then Pretty Brown Mimi said, black women, we are the baddest women on the planet. And then there was also a little correction that Fahima made. She said that uh, Kravitz was actually nominated three times for NAACP awards that he did not ex- um, um, actually win one. And then Houston, Texas, fist bump back to you too. Bam. And when we come black to the Raw Report on KBLA Talk 1580, more with me, Keith Underwood, and our special contributor, Ms. Whitley. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Eric Bellinger hanging out right here with my family at the Raw Report. Keep it locked. You are black on the Raw Report. This is the place where you get entertainment and celebrity news. I am Keith Underwood sitting in for the lovely Robin Ayers. And joining me is our special contributor, Miss Whitley. Whitley. I'm here. I'm excited. What are we getting into now? <laughs> okay, we, getting we, into? we we got something else to get into, Whitley. We're going to get into it. So we're going to talk about the baby, The award-winning rap artist known for his top-charting debut album, Baby on Baby, is opening up about a recent fight for his life with an unlikely opponent, alcohol. The lifestyle of a rapper involves nightly appearances at clubs, bars, and establishments where liquor is the main refreshment on the menu. The Carolina rapper revealed that an embarrassing ordeal in front of his daughter has has him giving up the devil's liquid for good. Whitley, this brother, you know, um, some of the reports that I have read, this brother actually vomited in front of his daughter. And the embarrassment of that and the shame of that made him make the decision to stop to stop drinking. Now, I'm going to share a, a personal story. Now, you know, my my father, God rest his soul, he battled alcoholism for for years. And I remember that a similar situation you know, happened um, with us and he had promised that he would, you know, stop drinking. He was going to go clean. Unfortunately, he did not. And so um, I'm really, you know, sending out prayers for the baby and I'm hoping that he's successful um, in this endeavor. But Whitley, Whitley Yates, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I, this is what I think. A lot of times entertainers only share specific pieces of their life that they want us to see. Um, sometimes. Mm. Some of them overshare the Krishan Rocks and the Blue Faces. Some of them <laughs> overshare. But mostly entertainers, they only let us see what they want us to see. He could have done this and decided to not make it public mm. and to not discuss and talk about it. You think and it's so a I grab. Commend and no, no, no. I think it's good that he's saying this is what I'm doing because I it's going to there's going to be a different level of accountability yes. on his decision making skills when he's out in these environments. And I think it's important for him to make a public proclamation to people so that when he says, no, I'm not drinking that, they understand why. And hopefully we'll have respect for for the decision and not tempt him. Um, and I think it's it's good for us to see him stepping up in a way that says, hey, this lifestyle is not conducive to the little girl I'm trying to raise. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
that I mean, I just when we when we're looking at leadership, when we're looking at black male leadership, a lot of times we talk about toxic masculinity, but we never really applaud when black male leaders are mm. leading in a way that's complementary to raising productive, amazing human beings. So kudos to him for coming out, for making this declaration and doing what's best, not only for his health, but for his children. Yeah. Yeah. 100 percent. I um I, I I commend the baby as well, you know, again, and I think that this was cathartic, you know, for him and a part of his process, you know, to mm-hmm. to sobriety. And like you said, I really hope that anyone around him in a circle or anyone that's um around him or sees him out that we, you know, make the brother accountable and we try to lift him up. And then you know, some folks, Whitley will mess with you just because they know you're trying to do better, especially if you're in a position where you have a platform. What do you think about that? I think those people are gutter snipes and should Mm. be eradicated from your circles, friends list, families, et cetera. Goodbye. I think think they need to be canceled, excommunicated. But I'll say, in my own personal journey, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a heavy drinker, and I have a very low tolerance. And I had a situation. I was celebrating an accomplishment, being named 40 under 40, and I partook in the devil's juice a little bit too much to the point where I got sick. Mm. And it made me take a step back. I did a 90-day no alcohol because... I didn't like not only my behavior, but that I was over, I overly consumed. Yeah. And in overconsumption of anything is not a good thing, right? The, the Bible so speaks on it. Come on, <laughs> take me to church. Me. So I, I did a 90 day no alcohol. I'm sipping mocktails um, because I wanted to make sure that I regained control and that I was not making decisions based upon what I was putting in my body that would be altering those those decisions I was making. And so I've been there, and I know a lot of my friends have also, especially the older you get, if you have a social job, and a lot of stuff revolves around a glass of wine, a glass mm, of champagne, mm-hmm. an open bar. And so you kind of go from, oh, I don't really drink that much, to, oh, yeah, I'm just a social drinker. But socially, you're, you know, it's once, twice, three times a week that you're out in these different settings, grabbing a cocktail, et cetera. And sometimes when you have addiction that runs in your family, you can begin to get addicted and not realize it. That's right. And so you have to be careful. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Kudos to anyone making those types of decisions and kudos to anyone that's on their sobriety journey, no matter where you are, just beginning thinking about it, et cetera. Uh, we're here to support you, and we love you on the Raw Report. That's right. That's right. Um, what, do, what do you think about the the pressures of entertainment and what they might play in substance abuse? <sighs> the pressures of entertainment, more specifically the pressures of the rap industry, mm. I think they... I mean, we're going to keep it a buck because this is a raw Come report. And we, we stay raw, real, and relevant with real Robin. Raw. So I think it is commercialized. 
I think it's commodified and I think it's celebrated to overindulge in many vices that you see um, being exemplified through the music, not just drinking, uh, but smoking, not just smoking, but doing drugs, not just doing drugs, but, you know, partaking in harlot behavior. I mean, there's, there seems to be a common thread in a lot of our music today that makes these vices seem victorious. And I think uh, as a rapper, there's a lot of pressure to partake because if you're not, then you're kind of square. Like, what are you rapping about? Um, If it's not overly sexualized music, if it's not overly aggressive and violent, if it's not about drinking, smoking, tapping something, Mm. et cetera, robbing somebody, shooting somebody, uh, Percocet, Molly Percocet. Like, if it's not these types of things, are you even relevant anymore in the industry? And if your behavior doesn't align with the things that you say in your rap songs, is is are you relevant? I don't know if you saw this clip, but uh, what was it? Fat Joe talking about, oh, yeah, I was never a gangster. Like, <laughs> I was never these things. I rapped about it, but I was never actually doing those things it's so it's almost as if they put on um a persona right yeah to be yeah we've heard about things like that with artists like you know tupac and you know having these different characters that they portray in order to gain a certain um audience let's check into the chat real quick first off uh forrest harrison said good night and that we did a great job Also, um, Thomas Oliver said, drinking is fun, easy not to get addicted when you care about your health. Okay, shout out to that. And Houston, Texas said, great move to baby. Whitley Yates, where can everybody yes. find you on social media? Oh, thank you. I'm taking a bow in front of the Raw Report. Yes, exactly. thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm at Whitley J. Yates on Twitter, Whitley J. Yates on Instagram. And, you know, you can find me upholding black excellence and empowering black people. Come on now. Whitley J. Yates, thank you for joining me on The Raw Report. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And I'm going to connect with you. My beepers, hey, and, and if you want to connect with me, you can follow me and also message me on Instagram at UMA Worldwide. You can also find me on Facebook at Keith L. Underwood. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow night here on The Raw Report on KBLA Talk 1580. Until then, talk to you soon.